So you're here to alleviate the world's suffering, and you're going to do that by... Magic. Ta-da! The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Okay, I'm going to start at the podcast here because I fucked it up earlier. <laughs> All right. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. Welcome to the podcast. All right. I messed up earlier. I was trying to find something that I thought I had saved, but I hadn't. But I did now. So we are finally going to get this podcast on the road. Um, AI is on the docket for today. Uh, soon, scientists are going to be reading your mind. Uh, soon, technology companies are going to be reading your mind. That's what I think will be happening in the not-so-far-off future. So, there is an article that has been released, um, well, a study that has been done, lots of articles about it. It's been let go, released into the wild. (laughs) Released to the people, to the peasants. Um, So, this is the Smithsonian Magazine. Uh, Scientists recreated a Pink Floyd song from listeners' brainwaves. Electrodes collected brain signals while people listened to Another Brick in the Wall, Part 1, then computers produced a garbled but recognizable track. Huh. So essentially, yeah, they hooked these uh, electrodes up to people's brain, they played them this song, and then they recorded the brain waves, and then they used AI to reconstruct the song from just the brain waves as like a proof of concept to say, hey, we could potentially decode brain waves into whatever you're listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, So let's listen to the recording that they played, the participants, and then the reconstructed audio. Well, they played the recording. I don't know if we can get away with that. What do you mean? You're going to play Pink Floyd? 15 seconds. It's fair use. Come on, here we go. Fair use, people. Come at us. Whatever. Come at us. We're not making any money. So here's the song they played, the participants. It's very short. Is that actually, did they play them the whole song when they did the experiment, or did they just play them that? I'm not sure. Um, okay. I'm Because I'm definitely going to look into this deeper, because I'm highly, highly skeptical about this experiment. I'm also pretty skeptical about that one where the Wi-Fi... No, no, no. Scratch that. I'm skeptical <laughs> about this, because... Why are you I skeptical? Had to take a, well, I had to take a course on uh i think it was called language mind and brain no yeah i think that was the course and it was that professor i told you about dr hale who was like some big shot like too good for us professor that they were just so excited to have come to the school and become a professor and in his course he was so much i think he knew that like they hadn't really found his spot there at the university so it was a little easier to get into his class than it probably would be now. 
because it was a language, mind, and brain class, but we spent, we might have spent a quarter of the semester just learning brain imaging. And I just don't know, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I well, don't know okay. what you will really talk can about do. it so, in a second. So I'm curious yeah. to see, to see so, really how they did this. What they did was they, uh, the researchers trained a computer model on the brain data from participants as they listened to 90% of this song. But the remaining 10%, a 15-second clip from the middle of the track, I'm assuming that's the one we just listened to, oh, yeah. was left out of the training data. Um, and then they, the researchers uh, got the algorithm that they had created uh, on the training data to infer the song from the, the, the clip that they had left out um, and so that's the clip that we just heard. What imaging so technology were they using? Um, so I think it was brain waves. Yeah, like an EEG or something. Electrodes collected brain signals. Doesn't say. Interesting. Okay. Um, electrical signals from the brain. Anyway, so here's what uh, AI reconstructed from the clip. <laughs> Pretty good, right? It's interesting. That's interesting. I just would like I... to point out, I think this is a weird song to do this experiment on. Like, could you have picked a like less, I don't know, iconic and like no, it, clear I think cut that's part song? Of the thing. I think it has I think it has to be iconic. I think it had to be that like a part of like a a chanted part of the song, like a, a part of the song. That like if the guy were on stage, he could like hold the mic out, you know, and like let the crowd finish the lyrics. Oh like God. it has to it's be a back and forth. <laughs> yeah. It would, well, it just has to be that kind of you're because you have to be able to, I would assume, really have that specific whatever sound they're looking for. It really has to be str a strong signal coming from the brain. I mean, that's interesting. I. uh the AI stuff will be, I hate to use this word. I'm not, I can't think of something Just else say to it. say. Come on, let's go. A game changer, basically. <laughs> oh, my God. So, You're a futurist now. Well, this is going to be I, a game changer in the future. The, <laughs> the problem with brain imaging is that it's really, it's interesting, but it's not that good. You know, like, it's it's in a one way in one sense it's really high tech like really high tech and in another sense it's it's not every type of brain imaging has its like ups and downs and none of them are like perfect so like some have like really are like kind of you get a really clear picture but it's very general information some you get really uh, specific information, but the picture's not that clear. And yeah. so it's really hard to, and the theory behind what's going on might not match the way we're trying to measure it, you know? Mm -hmm, but the mm -hmm. AI with the ability to take in so much data, 
might be able to kind of uh, plow through that a little bit, literally kind yeah. of like a plow. Like if you think about, wow, it's kind of like oh. not very useful to like drag a massive piece of metal through like hard dirt. But if you hook it up to a tractor, you can pull that shit through some dirt and it actually works. You know, like it may not be the best thought out situation, but like with that kind of power behind it, the AI power behind the data sure, maybe yeah. you can draw out a lot more than we would ever be able to draw out using just humans interpreting the data from the imaging well it's interesting because it's almost like different goals like if you want to understand what is happening in the brain i don't know that ai that's not really the goal of ai it's not to understand the mechanics of the brain and how it works and how the mechanics relate to the phenomenology of experience but yeah, you don't really need that to make the AI work. All you need is information. Like if well, you the AI can get... can't figure that out because we're giving it the me well, the, the tool. You know, like we're it literally saying, know. like, well, we're just measuring this thing. Like we're just measuring in this case, uh, waves. You know, but right. you could, but you so like the assumption is already like it kind of works with like the brain's kind of like waves. You know, so like see what you can get from waves. And it's not much, but if you give a give it to for us, but if you give it to AI, they go, "Well, I can tell you a lot based on these waves." It may well, still not yeah. be how the brain works at all, but there's something going on relating to well, waves exactly, and yeah, AI it's is just like, yeah, I can work with that. It's just information, yeah. You just need information from the brain live or in the experiment, and then you just need like a key to translate that information into the information that you know, we experience it as, which would be, you know, the stimuli input, which there it's the song, you know, so you just need the AI can, is really good at that sort of thing. It's like creating the model to generate, you know, inputs into outputs. Um, but yeah, so they've done this with the music now. They've also, if all these studies are real and legit, they've also released studies where they can reconstruct visual stimuli from brain scans. So these would be like images that they presented participants with and they reconstructed the images. That's a really interesting study. And then they've also done um, transcription of people's thoughts. So like they either, I think they play people audio or they have people like uh, read words in their mind, you know, like they present them words like visual, you know, writing. And then people would, you know, say those words, but not out loud or read them. And then the AI can transcribe those words. The transcription one is interesting. So not like it's, they're all kind of like the, um, the one we just played. It's not high fidelity. So you get the output and it's not quite the exact input. You know, like we listen to the Pink Floyd thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like something's not quite right here. And the images are like that too. They obviously aren't, they don't produce the exact images that people saw. And then the words, too. They don't produce the exact writings that people were given. They, they It almost captures the gist of what people uh, were given. So anyway, so we've got uh, writing and imagery and sound now that can all be reconstructed by AI just by decoding your brain waves. So it's a proof of concept for being able to decode your brain waves into the imagery, sounds, uh, and sounds that and well, maybe even thoughts that uh, you're thinking. So isn't that interesting? That's why I think uh, things are going to be reading your mind sometime soon. And then you combine that. The last thing I'll say is with the uh, Apple AirPods patent. So Apple has recently released a new patent for what looks like AirPods that will have 
sensors for detecting brain waves on them, EEGs, EOGs, EMGs. And uh, obviously that's not quite the same technology that's being used in these experiments. But again, like I said, it doesn't really matter. All you need, this proof of concept, it's like you just need brain information and then you need an algorithm that can translate that information and deduce the key from how that information translates into the input or the stimuli. Um, and then, voila, you can figure out what uh, what's going on in there. So I think yeah, Apple's we- going to read your mind soon. <laughs> Maybe they'll they'll read some <laughs> they'll, they'll read something. I they'll read something. Yeah, I have my doubts because we've talked about this before. Like where science doesn't figure something out, but then forges ahead anyways. And in that in that field, mm. any you know what I mean? They're just like, well, we we don't know, but like we'll just do this, and it'll like we'll see what it gets, and then we'll just use that. And then forget, <laughs> it's kind of like the consciousness thing. You know, it's like, well, we don't know how that works. It doesn't matter. Like, we know how to make you feel bad or good, you know, like, so. <laughs> We're moving on to thinking. Yeah, we don't, it doesn't matter to to us. We'll, we, we'll take what we can get, basically. There's a, this book, this Utah book, William R. Utah, Mind and Brain or something. What is it called? Uh, Where is this book? He says, in short, this is just a, a, a thought about like imaging versus like what's really going on in your brain it says mm. in short there's no theory or putative uh explanation that yet explains how mental processes emerge from neural ones it says instead there's a corpus of scientific opinion that the mind brain problem is intractable due to the complexity of the neural interconnections that actually lie at its core and then he says, the misunderstanding that we've made more progress on this fundamental issue than we have is also exacerbated by the hyperbolic and exaggerated popularization of very preliminary or unsubstantiated scientific findings by the press and the lay community. And I right. think that's well, so- a case what's kind of going on here a little bit. Like, I do think there's probably some stuff coming up with the ability to use but i also i kind of think they've been using ai to help them with brain imaging understandings for a, a little bit longer than recently but maybe oh, yeah. their the models have gotten maybe a little better yeah. i think a lot of what's happening though is we've just they've just kind of handed a version of ai to the public and that's the big change here is that now yeah. they're like well you can do it too like here's a search engine here's a question answerer well, I actually agree with you. I think, and that's what I started with, I don't think we're going to understand that question by doing any of these studies. I don't think we're going to understand how these phenomena are created. Like, how do you experience the experience of seeing the image in your mind's eye? Or how do you experience the actual, you know, experience of the, hearing the music or whatever? I don't think, like what he was saying, like, how do those physical states correspond to, like, phenomenological experience? I don't think this is going to answer that, but I don't think you need to know the answer to that question in order to decode brain activity into whatever the stimuli are or whatever the it's is actually, going on. Probably it wouldn't even help you to like, if you're thinking like, let's see, if we, let, like, let's say the end game is like, let's control people's mind. Like, I don't even know if it would help you to actually have a more granular understanding, like the most granular understanding because the because there's so much plasticity to the brain anyways 
like you can grow new pathways you know like they know that like you can like lose a part of the brain it's not like that part may not come back but like connections may actually you can like exercise connections like form that reform your ability basically that's been lost so there's some really interesting and there's even like left-handed right-handed stuff like that's clearly brain stuff like so that's already a huge you know 20 uh or what is it 80 20 split you know there's all sorts of just different Mm -hmm. things out there that or what about temperaments all the different temperaments and you never know like how different is every brain ultimately and why does the brain do what it does and i think there's actually a huge assumption that may or may not be fully accurate but i do think it's like it may be a true assumption that most of who we are is in the brain possible but then what Mm -hmm. about all the the gut biome uh affect research that has to do with like your Most gut serotonin is and made your, in your gut. serotonin yeah. and all that it's like so that's a lot of stuff going on that yeah. seems that you think on first glance that's brain stuff but it's like yeah only kind of though like barely so yeah, i don't yeah. know how far this stuff will really ever get us but that doesn't well, mean that like i think there's definitely the possibility that like understanding none of that what if you just create a little device that beams like ULF waves out of it and you put it on someone's head and it makes them feel really depressed and then you take it and you put on another guy and he feels really depressed and you put another guy he feels really depressed. You know, you know what? If I put this ULF on people, they get really depressed. How interesting. I don't have to That's know amazing. anything about... Yeah, I don't have to know anything. I just have to know that this device does this thing I wanted it to do. Next question. You know, like next right, problem. Right. Well, so yeah, like it's a difference the kind of too. progress we're making. Yeah, it's the difference between um, causal and predictive modeling. Like these AI models are all just predictive, you know. And the thing with the predictive modeling is like you're just interested in reducing like the discrepancy between the predictions and the outcomes. And you don't care how convoluted the model becomes because you're not interested in interpreting, you know, the what we would say is like the coefficients on any of the variables, like the effect of any of the variables on the outcome. Whereas causal modeling, that is the purpose, is to understand how the the variables, like the dependent or the independent variables affect the dependent variables. And that's like the question of like, how does this actually work? Like, what is the effect that certain things are having on X outcome? But that's not the point of AI because they're just predictive models and we actually don't care about that. And the model changes all the time. So that's what's happening with the AI. It's like recalculating constantly. A a learning model, though, is likely to be the only possible uh, pathway to understanding a causal explanation though like you would have to have no no human is going to ever under, be able to even retain all the requisite knowledge data information to actually have an understanding like if it's all been even if it's all benign like we just want to fix brain problems that people have you know they're deaf you want to fix it it's a brain issue how do we do it probably you're going to have to use computers. It's kind of like 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 you like you need a book to have the the inf- all the information in the book it has to be in the book. You can't have it all in your head. It's too much. Like you have mm-hmm. to write it even though somebody wrote this. Even the guy that wrote it can't then go to you and be like, "Well, what I said on page 25 is." 
and how I made the connection between this point, you know, like it's not in his head, it's on this, it's in the book. And I feel like that's just the way that, so if we're going to make a bunch more progress, it's going to be through this kind of mm. Like AI it's so stuff. complicated and whatnot it's that just like too you much. wouldn't even be able to hold it all in your head, regardless of the fact that maybe you are better at uh, thinking about cause models. And that's not how a lot of these AI models are designed, but they could be yeah. maybe in the future. And it might tell, it'll just be the thing that tells mm. us a lot of the news. Like there, there's probably something to, I'm not bandwagoning. Like I'm not happy about AI like everybody else is. What do you but mean? There is, <laughs> I know you're I just, the biggest AI supporter. <laughs> you know, I just not into it really. But I do agree that there will be, I don't know what happened because I know that this AI didn't just get invented yesterday and then given to everybody today you know what i mean like that's not what happened mm -hmm. so it's it's weird that there's this narrative emerging that like even like these tech billionaires are like oh my god this is going to be a huge game changer like oh my god like and it's like but wait what do you mean like haven't you known about this before i knew about it like that doesn't make sense like i i cut wood yeah, yeah. like you're a tech billionaire like you should be you should have been no. excited about this 10 years ago or something. Like, why Why are we pretending like it just happened all of a sudden? But given the story we've been told that it did just happen all of a sudden, like maybe there's some kind of access has been granted to a broader audience, to AI, obviously to us, but maybe to a lot of other industry, maybe to, to corporations and uh, I don't know. I don't know how this works, why this is happening. But if it is what it is, then, it is what it is. Then, may, then it probably will lead to some interesting leaps forward in certain arenas. Oh yeah, I think it's like the ultimate expression of la technique. You know, it's like we'll be able to do really interesting things. I don't know that it will make us any more wise or we'll have greater understanding of anything. If like I think, um. Yeah, it'll make us probably more dumb, like, you know, because we'll we'll almost be fooled, I think, by like how sophisticated the things it can do are, like almost like the way the calculator, you know, like that's like one of the first computing systems. How can systems. it do a billion times a million? Right. That's amazing. It's like And we've well, talked about, yeah, like how calculators make us dumber. Obviously, your math teacher like lectured you about like, don't use a calculator all the time, you know, it'll yeah. make you stupid. And I feel like soon the AI is going to be able to I do. I use a calculator yeah. and I'm dumb. Exactly, exactly. It's made us dumb. And the AI is going to do just the same when it takes away all the calculations and does even more incredible things. But even I mean, it Google doesn't Google does that too. What's going on? Like, yeah, Google, even like search engines, I think have made us a little, like a kind, a, a sort of kind of stupid. It's like there's a subconscious thing uh, that it's either, it may, it may be a subconscious thing where you, you like subconsciously know, like, I don't have to retain what I'm about to find out. Right, but, which right, is weird exactly. because you're going to look it up. Like you're going to take the time to look it up, but you won't even remember that you even cared tomorrow. Like because exactly. I look up random stuff, I'm like, wait, what is that? And I look it up, and I'm like, I don't even remember. I don't even remember asking the question the next day. I don't even. So therefore, <laughs> I definitely don't know the answer. I don't know the information. <laughs> and then, but in like when learning a language, if you use like a translator all the time, that you literally won't learn. You know, like. Right, you can right. use it to your advantage to like understand like maybe sentence construction or figure out like uh, whatever those things are called where like in French they say like 
you give to give a rabbit, but that means to like stand somebody up. Well, we do it too. We say to stand up. It's like, what do you mean to stand up? Well, it means to like not show up to something where you're supposed to show up and you stood the person up. Oh, like up. cultural you know, like, idioms or whatever. Like idiom. Yeah. Like things like that. So that it can help you in that way. Like, to, cause that's not in a dictionary, but just take away the translator. You still have a dictionary, which is a translator and then look it up in the dictionary. You're going to retain more information. Yeah, and then exactly. even more so if you don't have the dictionary and you figured out through looking hard and using contextual clues without trying. I mean, there's implicit extra trying, but without trying harder to remember, you're going to just remember more. Like the more you work, you do right to get there. Right. So no, I it think could it's make bad. us. It turn. It may just turn us into like the Wally world. You know, like. Zombies. We'll just be the blobs and the AI, we'll just let the AI just do everything it can oh, do. We'll God. just let it do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this brings me to my other point because I think, uh, yeah, kind of what we're saying here is something akin to like there's something to the effort. Like it's good for you to put in the effort, you know, to struggle a little bit. And uh, well, I wanted to ask you this question because I was listening to Lex Friedman and Andrew Huberman talk uh it's a very weird podcast. Uh, anyway, I won't talk about that. But Andrew Huberman said this thing about, well, you know, it's good to alleviate human suffering. That's like the – and he positioned it almost like that's the highest goal. Like we should all be striving to eliminate as much human suffering as possible. And if you don't know Andrew so Huberman – Which one? Like, Who thought that? Huberman thought that? He's a, yeah, neurobiology right, podcaster. Right. Or he's a, he's a podcaster, but he's also a neurobiologist at Stanford um, so he's a scientist and, uh, you'll hear people like Sam Harris types say this too. Like, I think that was the premise of his moral landscape, the book he released a long time ago, which was like, how can we, uh, alleviate human suffering? Um, as if potentially, and I don't want to read too much into it, but that that's a good goal, maybe even the highest goal. Um, and then I thought this was interesting because it's almost uh, contradicted by some sort of religious and Christian ideas that suffering is, if not the point of maximal meaning, is definitely integrated or an integral part of living a meaningful life. And that's, you know, you can think about Jesus dying on the cross. That's the point of maximal suffering. It's the pristine tragedy, the most terrible thing that could have ever happened. Um, he's the perfect man who has to bear all the sin of the world and his father and everyone abandons him and he is left to die on a cross. So that is the point of maximal suffering, but it's also the point of potentially maximal meaning in that story. Um, and that's where Jesus transcends, you know, his physical form and whatnot. So, uh, so there's obviously something going on in the Christian religion and Judeo-Christian spiritual traditions where we think that Something about suffering, you know, that is needed, um, that's good, character building, you know, however you want to say. But then some other people have this other thing. And the last thing I'll say is the only wrinkle in there is that sometimes people will say, like, qualify it with unnecessary suffering. Like, we need to eliminate unnecessary suffering. And that, I feel like, is a weird middle ground. And then you become this, like, maybe you're just a fence sitter at that point. But I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, we all die. And That's for sure. <laughs> there's no escaping that. So fundamentally. There's an inherent suffering in that. Yeah. Right. I mean, because even if you have the perfect world and the perfect life, 
you are going to be born and your parents are going to die. Even in, even in like the most pristine, you know, life of a prince, that's just going to mm-hmm. happen. Even if they just go peacefully in their sleep, like the loss, you know, so uh, the goal of eliminating suffering doesn't even seem reasonable or like feasible, maybe somewhat reasonable. I do accept the qualifier that it's like un like unnecessary suffering. I don't know how you determine what is and isn't necessary. Right. That's the but, hard thing. I feel like it's something to say that you're like, yeah, of course. And then you're like, but in practice, what? where is the line between the necessary and the unnecessary suffering? Yeah, I don't really know. I See, I think it might be more an issue of, I want to say goal, but there's probably a better word, like a, an issue of, of, of like what you, Aim. what we're taking to be preeminent or like the most prominent thing because also like what even is suffering like can Mm. you even can you avoid it really anyways whatever that thing is that you're calling suffering because sometimes like in the grand scheme of things like let's say that like technology is like it's always sold it's like it's going to reduce the amount of the workload and reduce suffering and it's like are okay are you is everybody suffering less now because technology like did it help did Mm. it it, like or do you just switch what you suffer about you know like i don't i don't know if you even can do it and maybe the less the more you try to attack the suffering the more complicated your suffering becomes you know like the more Mm. easy you make stuff the more like you're a lot of, I feel like our suffering has shifted from like real to, to like psychological, like physical to psychological. Yeah. And I don't know yeah. if that's like, if you've ever been really depressed, like clinically depressed, like the level of suffering is, can be more than you can bear. Like you'll kill yourself, you know, like you're like, I'm not doing this anymore and nothing's bad. You de- your world doesn't have to be bad. You just your mind just has to be bad. It just has to be full of suffering. Mm. So because I thought I was thinking this recently, I was gathering seeds. Mm. At the end of the season, you leave some of the plants and they kind of die back. And I pulled some seed pods, and it was kind of hard to get the seeds out, so I had to let it dry for a few days, and then it kind of crumbles a little better, and the seeds fall out. And I was like, probably originally I bought this plant in seed form from some company and they're Mm. a really cool company. But I was like, I wonder, I I was just thinking there's there's such high production. I bet they have a little machine and I've seen some of these machines and I'm like, I bet they have a little machine that just does this, you know, like does something really fancy and like gets the seeds out. And because I was thinking I'm going to save these and there's going to be a bunch of crap in the bag. But when I get the seeds, they're like clean. Like how do they get all the dust? Like it's just, it's a nice bag full of just nothing but seeds. And I'm like, that's such a pain in the ass. But clearly they've got a way to do it. And yeah, I was yeah, thinking, yeah. what's the big deal? Like, why? I mean, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying, like, who cares? Why Why do we have, why did, Why was there ever a thought that, like, oh, well, we need to eliminate, you know, pinching seeds out of seed pods because that's a pain in the ass or, 
it's too much work or it's too slow. Like what was the real cause, you know, for doing that? Mm -hmm. And it mm. does. And is it like unfathomable to think that there's a world in which there's like, you know, a, a big chunk of people out there just all spread across the, the nation that, you know, have a job description called like, I don't know, they probably do other stuff during the season, but like sometimes that's part of their job is like to get the seeds out of the pods, you know, for or whatever. collectors, yeah. Like what's the problem? Like, but we couldn't, that's like a arcane, weird life that we just wouldn't do that. Like that's, like we can't even apparently get people to pick vegetables and fruits. You know, we got to get the Mexicans to do that. And there's this whole the complicated... Yeah. Yeah, it's either Mexicans or machines, and there's this whole complicated, like, legal visa, whatever program that's just always... And if you think about it, does that stuff really... Does it really help? You know, like, because if you drill in to, like, anything like that, you find weird stuff. It's like, okay, well, the Mexicans are doing it for, like, not very much money. And then the right. food is cheap, but, like, is it too cheap? Like what? I mean, I'm just, you know, you start getting like things just, right. you start looking into exactly. it. Like, I don't know if this did what you thought it was doing. Like, I don't know if the progress did the right thing. And now the whole system's so messed up that you're like, well, you can't have zucchinis that are $7 per zucchini. That doesn't make sense. So yeah, well. you realize that the whole system is just full of these kind of scenarios of like progress just same thing with like electric cars. Yeah, let's just assume that there's a reason to do that. We've dug mm -hmm. into it very lightly and it's like, oh, well, that's like just the worst thing ever. Like it's just, it's like the worst thing on the planet right now is the electric economy. It's like the worst thing, like machine guns and slaves and hammers and dying and suffering. And we walk around here floating in bubbles mines. going oh it's so wonderful Ooh, Elon Musk is a saint you know electric because because carbon and you're like okay everything's just weird like that so I don't know this whole suffering conversation I'm like we're just not maybe we're just thinking of everything wrong like maybe mm. when you're doing a job just don't suffer so much you know like just like don't think that you're suffering so much yeah. you know what I'm well, saying it's like it's a weird approach but because, yeah, it's almost like it's easy to read into that, like how we want to have more. But then in order to have more, you have to maintain like it requires more maintenance, you know. And so it requires more work, more toil if you want to have more. Um, and so maybe that's why we have less leisure than we've had in the past or whatever. And that's a contentious argument. Some people don't even believe that. Um, but, yeah, the suffering thing is almost like not almost tangential to that. It's like, well, I think people might also think regardless of having more, like you could say, well, having more is like less suffering. Right. But it's more pleasure like, and like more, more ease. Not having more... is not, is suffering. Like, <laughs> I don't know that, like, can you not, can you not be happy with not having? Like, is that not an alternative take, you know? What do you think? I mean, I well, think. I think that kind of suffering isn't that bad, you know? Like, I right. think there That's, are a yeah. lot of people that literally think that they're suffering a lot, but they're having like the best life ever. They just don't know it, you know, mm. like what's, and I don't know what drives 
all of these things. I think it's like we we've, we've talked about with like billionaires. It's like, what are you doing now? Like, why are you still doing stuff? It's like, when are you done doing things, Bill Gates? Like, yeah. chill the fuck out. Like, what are you doing, David Sachs? What are you doing? Like, are you seem like a cool guy, but you're just like, if you step back and like caricaturize you or or like turn you into an archetype, it's like you become like cringe. Like you're just like, it's like that's so cringe. What's wrong with you? Like, just be cool, man. Like, there and we're all doing those kinds of things. You know, we're all like wanting more not happy with what we have right right and we think so much of that is like suffering we we think that apparently we think that like hard work is suffering but it's really just hard work or it's frustrating or it's effort like what is suffering though like i think of you know what i think of suffering Mm -hmm. is a Mm -hmm. is a headache you know or like a cold like that's suffering like you can't do any like you're like oh like you almost want to die. You're like, this is suffering. And there's an interesting facet to this because uh, animals have a really high pain tolerance compared to humans. But sometimes we have a headache and then you'll see like like that example I used to give with that deer walking around where it's out, its leg was broken so its leg was bending the wrong way. And I'm like, that looks like really painful. But mm-hmm. why isn't it as painful for the deer as my little headache is for me? And it's because there's we're so conscious that we know like if we knew the headache everyone got headaches and all headaches lasted five minutes the suffering would be minimal even if it was like the worst headache ever you'd be like hang on hang on my three minutes is up hang on hang on oh my god let me just sit here for a minute and you just sit there you wouldn't do anything we wouldn't even have invented tylenol you know you just be like i have three minutes this will go away. It's that one time a day where I get the headache. Okay, it's over. You know, and you'd be you just move on after that because you knew it would go away immediately. It's just in a minute. But we don't know. When you have a headache or you're sick, you're like, how long will this last? Is it going to go on forever? Should I take more Tylenol? Should I take ibuprofen? Should I go to the doctor? What's wrong? Like, what else yeah, could be yeah, going yeah. on? Like, you have all this extra suffering. So I think what I'm saying is a lot of stuff, quote unquote, suffering comes from within that we experience now i don't know about other places because i've thought yeah. about this like the cobalt miners you you go like okay we aren't suffering those people are suffering and you ask yourself really though you have to consider it there's a art people used to make this argument about slaves but that's too hard for people to wrap their head around so let's just make it about the new slaves who no one cares about it's like are they suffering or are they just doing their daily life? You know, like it's horrible to us. We're like, I would never do that. Well, you also, you wouldn't pick up, pick a fucking strawberry, you know, like you just wouldn't do that. You'd kill yourself if you had to be a garbage person, like a garbage man. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so are they suffering (sighs) mining cobalt? We don't know. It seems like it. Every image of every coal mine that we've ever seen to depicted to us looks like it's just got to be the absolute worst thing ever but why would people do that you know like was was our history really as rife with abysmal conditions and just the worst suffering known to man or wasn't it and when did it start if it did it at all 
or do we right. just adjust? Like, I don't really know the answer to those questions because well, I've thought that I'm, I've suffered and I'm, but I, to be honest, if I'm not sick or in pain, I'm, I'm actually, what I mean is I'm suffering psychologically. Yeah. Well, that is the thing I was thinking is like the, so that's like the meaning component. It's like, there's something integral about your suffering and meaning. Like, like what you're saying, you ask the question, well, are those people really suffering in the coal mine or whatever? And it's like, well, maybe that's just how you, you're making it, you know? And like, and that's meaningful in a sense. Like if you're a coal miner or whatever, you're like, the coal mine is hard and it's, you know, the working conditions aren't great and it's difficult to do that. But you're also supporting your family by doing that potentially and you're making a living and you're supporting a community that burns the coal and heats their homes. And and it must be so, your best option. Like it must be just paying yeah. better than being the farmer or paying that, you know what I mean? Like it, there's some reason that it ends up that way. Like, right. Or even too, like what really, went you know, on? you could be like, you know, you get, it gets a little hairy when you're like, well, what if someone, you know, you don't have autonomy or something or free will or determination but then even then you hear like remarkable stories of people like Nelson Mandela sitting in prison for 27 years and being like, that was one of the most meaningful parts of my life. Or, you know, people coming out of the Holocaust and as crazy intense as that was, you're like, well, that was very deep and a deep experience for me. And now I like have more you know insight than a human person could possibly imagine. Well, imagine being in prison. I think you would suffer less ultimately if you were sentenced to life in prison without parole than if you were sentenced to 25 years with the possibility of early release because you'd constantly the be uncertainty. trying to figure out that, can I get out soon? Will I get out early? How mm. do I get out early? Well, 25 years is taking forever. But if it's life with no opportunity for parole, you're just, it's, I think more quickly it will settle in where you're like, this is where I live now. Like, this is my world. This is my whole you life. Just make peace we'll just with it, here. maybe more. This is the only way to not suffer. In yeah. Prison. Oh, that's interesting. You know, is to just be, is to adjust psychologically. And it's like, in the, and then in hindsight, like the slave question, you know, you go, well, but that person's suffering. It's like, I, yes and no. Is it the optimal position to be in? I don't think so. Is there any optimal position to be in anywhere? And I think that's the Sam Harris argument is he thinks of it as, as a, as a land, that's why he calls it the landscape. There's like peaks and valleys all over the place. There's better and worse and better and worse. And they're all different levels and, and elevations. And, you know, it's like, hmm. it's all, it's all over the place. And I think that, that you can understand it that way, but then we act accordingly. So like the coal miner, maybe I, this might be a nowhere thought, but like, is there, ha is there hazard? Uh, maybe, like the breathing in the cold, the cave collapses. So what do you start doing? You go, well, hmm. here's a mask. I we we did technology. We, we did a, a solution. Here's a mask. Eventually, we, you know, you know, we get down the road, down the road, down the road. Evolution, evolution, evolution. Now it's, well, now we just have machines do it. Now people don't even have to be in the coal mine anymore. Now the very few people who are left actually going to the coal mine are paid ridiculous amounts of money. It's like the guys that work on oil rigs. They make a lot of money, <laughs> right. you know? They, yeah. We have to have them there. It's dangerous, but like, you know what? They get paid like a hundred thousand dollars a year. So there's that, you know, and they all do it willingly and they think of themselves as badasses. Now, one day technology will come along perhaps that eliminates that job 
And then there'll be this whole dichotomy of like, oh, it eliminated a job. That's no good. Or it'll be, well, it eliminated this hazard. Now we don't have to die anymore. You know, now we don't have to have this hazardous job. And it's like, well, was it good or what was it bad or was it indifferent? Right. It literally just depends on what you think about it. It's all in our head. It's just what you think. Well, so that's the other thing that's interesting and kind of a wrinkle because, it, well, I take your point that it's like, well, it would almost be better if you didn't have the uncertainty and you just made peace with wherever, whatever your life was. You know, like if you're like, well, I have a prison sentence for life, like I'm just making peace with that. And then once I've made peace with it, I can move forward in some sense. That sounds counterintuitive. But then the wrinkle is like, well, what about hope? You know, like what about is that? bad like that's almost like a not making peace with your situation like a vision of a, a better version of your situation well, like yeah the suffering i think in the oh, i feel like suffering is a strong word i don't know if we mean it every time we say it but like it definitely mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's this idea that you could go i'm going to choose not to suffer anymore i'm just going to accept the way things are like i could stand for that and i would maybe i would be happier but would i would anything ever change though you know what i mean like would i would I get a job? Would I get a better job? Would I do, would I try harder at anything? You know, like what actually does propel us? And I think that there, right. it's possible that suffering can be a motivating factor, but I also think other things can be a motivating factor. Like, and we might say that everything is suffering in a way, because what if the thing that really gets me off my ass, we talked about this in another episode where I was like, what if, you know, we were talking about what if we were going to die? You know, that ID comp thing. Mm. Like, what if you were going to die? What would you do? You know, and I'm like, look, forget that. What if decided one day you were like, you know, I really want to make more money, do more with myself because I want to provide a better life for my family, for my wife, for my kids. I want to, I want to make them happier. Just so that could be motivating. Now, mm-hmm. here's another wrinkle. Is that thought somehow equivalent to suffering? Would it be considered suffering to, is it considered, because this is like a Buddhist kind of notion, like that's attachment, right? Like I'm attached to my family. I'm attached to this specific wife. form like, of their happiness. Like they'll only I be will, happy once they have this or. Not that they only will, but that, so I don't have to be driven by their discontentment. I might just be driven by like the the compulsion to give them more because it's like an expression. Oh, that yeah, too. Mm. But then is is that is that, something, that it could that be construed some kind of convoluted way as like a suffering? Like if I don't do that, like I want to give them more things, I can't give them more things. Am I suffering? Because I can't, is that is it quote unquote suffering that compels me to do that? Like, I think the human experience is just unbelievably complicated. And I'm not even sure our language is useful anymore at describing all of those dynamics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, I can see it so many different ways. And yeah, what do we really mean when we say suffering? I mean, it sounds like a terrible thing, but I don't even know that it's all that terrible and like just the general word like I think it literally means that etymology is to bear from below um and like just to bear and which lies and above by the way and that might be the whole mm. um the whole 
why am I going to say this word again? Dichotomy um, between of, of that. That's the dynamic that's occurring maybe. So like, why do you, why does a person, a rich person uh, give to the poor? You know, it's like, well, not because, I mean, just because they're rich and they're above and the poor are poor. Like that's the, re I feel like that's the extent of the reason. The more you think about it, the more likely probably you are to not give them anything. You're like, <laughs> well, that's their situation. I don't know why they keep smoking crack all the time or whatever thing is causing them to be like this. Like if you start thinking about it too much, it gets, you're li liable to come to like a weird conclusion where you're like, I don't even care. Which not even that it's the wrong conclusion, just that like, that's not maybe the right take on it. Like maybe mm. it's just simply rich people give to poor people when they feel like giving to poor people because they're yeah, rich. When they you're give. moved. Like why doesn't the poor give to the poor? Well, because the poor doesn't have anything to give to the poor. Why doesn't the poor give to the rich? Well, because that doesn't make any sense. No <laughs> it's just things are <laughs> ways. <laughs> but that's how our society works. Or Mr. A, sorry. That may <laughs> the, be that may be the poor do give to the rich via taxes. So um, uh, anyway, no. Well, the whole thing, I mean, we could go round and round more on this, but uh, I just, it keeps coming up to me because of this AI stuff. And people keep saying this stuff about AI, like it's going to relieve our suffering. And I just don't, that's the most conspicuous thing to me i'm like well that's it definitely will. not true kills us all. <laughs> be suffering anymore yes <laughs> yeah oh my god dear god yeah that's crazy no but i yeah i don't know that it's going to to do that i don't even know that it's going to help us i mean i think there is like a subsect of delusional people who and maybe this is like a weird perverted form of hope, like think we are literally like on the precipice of living forever, like the, where we started with suffering. Well, one basic fact about suffering is like you're going to die and you don't know when. Um, but then they're like, well, we're about to live forever. And so we're going to eliminate that fundamental limitation. And I just I find Nothing. that so. Suspect. How do people how do science people, by the way, let me get closer to the mic. <laughs> Like, so far away. How do science people think that when like literally entropy is one of the very few like that's a law that they oh God, they yeah. that's like part of their religion basically it's like the laws of thermodynamics like, like rocks don't live forever you know like what are you talking about <laughs> it's like you what you mean is like true. you your selfish self goes on forever in some way but it's obviously because you know this selfish person that that is not there is nothing like that so that's a maintenance that will have to go on forever like the matrix like that system is is like a contained system there's like robots and robots that fix robots and robots that mine material you know like this is all you don't get there is no forever there is no immortal there in in it in like a pure sense like it's all dependent upon it's right right slave at least to the the laws of whatever the universe which as we know like nothing nothing is nothing like perpetual motion i've watched this video on perpetual motion 
and how it's not possible. And they were showing this thing. It was like, oh my God, they made it. And then they like showed the trick. I'm like, fuck, they didn't do it. And I'm like, I guess it's not <laughs> possible. And they were saying that even in space, and it made me think because we talked about, I talked about how space is fake or whatever. But they were like, even even in the fake space, or <laughs> theoretically- In a true vacuum. It's not a true vacuum. That's the thing. It's literally considered not to be a true vacuum. So we didn't know that at the time. Now I'm informing us. It's not a true true vacuum. And also, even there- there's like some rate of entropy in stuff. So like a thing in space would doesn't go forever because there's entropy. Gravitational waves and there's everything, photons. And everything yeah. is dying constantly. Like yeah. So everything is like dying and being reborn all the time. And yes. every, I, this is, I, I hope that this is a, maybe a diversion, but I have to say this because I was thinking this the other day. I literally wrote it down to talk about Everything, let's pretend there's no universe. Like, we can pretend there is a universe, but we don't know anything about it. You know, like, we didn't go to the moon, so how do we even know what the moon is? Like, everything is, at least on the planet and probably in the universe, is, it's made of the same stuff, you know? Like, everything is... Like, elements and... Atoms but it, and but it's really crazy because protons, neutrons, and electrons. And like your phone, it's like nothing. There is no nothing in the phone is even remotely similar to itself in nature. But all of it came from nature. Like there's no, mm. there's no plastic to like and silicone chip. Like, but the, all those things are in the world that can be turned into the, so like your phone is literally made of like rocks and sticks and stuff you know like elements and stuff like that's right right like it's ground up literally and like so i had this thought the other day we grow these plants on accident now but we do called clipdaga and what's interesting about them is to me at least, is that they grow prolifically here. They grow really well. And they're, they're from Africa, but they just love this climate in our yard. And they're flowers, but they get humongous, like just massive and like 10 feet tall, like tall, way taller than me. Stocks, like there's so much, like if I went and picked it all, it would be like too heavy for me to carry the, like the the 10 flowers that are in my yard like there's so much to them and i was i literally standing there today and i said it came was standing there and i said where where's all that mat material come from like where mm -hmm. does that mm -hmm. stuff come from like it, all this green shit like where is that and then i looked out in the front yard i'm like like the, we have these uh pin oaks these swamp oaks is what we call it. And they're there's like 10 of them in our front yard and they're too big to put your arms around. It's just like literally like metric ton after metric ton of wood. Yeah. Whatever wood is. But here's the thing about wood. There's no wood <laughs> in the seed and there's no wood in the ground. What the fuck is happening? Like how is that real? You know what I'm saying? Like Yes, it yes. Don't, oh, but it's like, no, but literally, like, how is that, how is that even possible 
that the clay, the red dirt clay that is in on the ground in my front yard, a little speck falls out of a tree. And then that thing becomes enough wood to build almost a building, like a small structure, one of them. And there's nothing like the tree in the seed or in the ground. But the some some mm-hmm. process is happening where wood it's comes. It's like magic. Out. It's like alchemy. It's, it's like, alchemy. yeah. That's what I'm saying. No, this is what Young thought. This He was so obsessed with this kind of shit. He, I mean, this is why he was like deterministic models of reality. He's like, they're all wrong. He's like, because everything's alchemy and that's just how it is. He's like, you can't explain like, where is the wood coming from when there's no wood before? He's like, at some point, the wood emerges, and you can't explain that when there's no wood around. It makes total sense that people come to the conclusion that we live in, like, a, a computer program. You know, it's like, because where, literally, like, where did that come from? Like, why would wood, why would a, why would that much wood, like this weird, hard, or spongy, strange material that you can, like, saw through? Like, I mean, just, like, where, how does that... <laughs> come out of anything so it must just be like it's like code like when this when these things happen that happens and then the stuff that's required like if you if you cover it no wood gets made like it also has to have sun like what are you fucking talking about it needs sun like that doesn't what the fuck is there's no wood in the sun either there's no (laughs) wood in the rain like what's the water? What is all this stuff? Like it's all mystical, magical. It's like weirder than phones, like right. cell phones and and like communication technology. Like that's like not even interesting compared to the fact that it all comes from like nothing stuff, you know? Like because yeah. that's I feel like what technology and science is, and that's really honestly. If we're going to believe our history, that's actually how we began making this progress was the great old masters and mathematicians and artists and the, and these guys like the Da Vinci's or whatever, if this is all real history, those people were also like basically magicians. Like they were alchemists. Like they believed in like these weird mystical occult theories and that that line, that lineage of our human spirit that particular lineage so they say gave us the modern day like gave us the modern day technology and science and theories like wizards basically like magician type but and not like <laughs> they're wizard, like doing black magic stuff i'm just saying like that's the kind of thinking that spawned everything yeah. we know of as like a modern society is like is that you first had to realize oh Everything makes no fucking sense. Like everything is some kind of ma- we everything live in a is magical kind of world. Magic. Yeah, exactly. No, this is what Young thought, and he of course yeah, yeah he thought it was right. almost like spiritual and mystical too. Like the alchemists were like they so they recognized that, and then he's like obsessed. It's so weird. I need to like read into it more because he talks about it a lot. Like Young, if you ever read his stuff, it's like he is literally cannot stop talking about alchemists, and you're like. 
what even is this? Like, I literally don't even know what that means. Like, is this like a real part of human history? Like, people were like, I'm an alchemist, and, you know, like wrote things down. I don't even know what it means. So I need to look into that. But he's obsessed with this. And he talks about it. Like, these people were like deep mystics and like, but also were doing real things. Like, that idea of like, well, you know, we could transform material and whatnot. Like, they weren't necessarily able to realize that at the time because they weren't that advanced, you know, they was just beginning. But he was like, but that was the seed for kind of all the progress we had to do. That's literally like his theory. It's like, well, it, we wouldn't have been able to do any of the stuff that we're doing now, like all of this transmutation of like steel and metal and buildings and planes and blah, blah, blah. He's like, all of that started with these people who were like having this deep mystical experience about like, oh my God, you could like transform like rocks into gold. Like that's a real thing. Like, and then they had this deep inner thing where it was like the philosopher's stone, he even brings that up. Like that's like a weird Harry Potter thing. But I, he's like, no, the, the philosopher's stone was like, these people were like, well, if you meditate on this stuff long enough, like the philosopher's stone, it's like this idea of like this ever-changing, never-changing, like deep embedded reality that we're all living in. And uh, yeah, I just thought, it's so weird. It's so it's so strange. And yeah, it's like a lot more deep yeah, than I think too. No, there's something to I mean, I think that that's like we've hit on the fundamental nail on the head. I think now you do have a lot of these like people who focus on the alchemy stuff, but they're like latched onto the wrong idea, you know? Like they're like latched onto like the magic or like the <laughs> fantastic something else about it's it like, what are we talking about like weird stuff yeah no they... there's some passage in there where he says like the alchemists are like you know the the rust on the bronze or whatever like the green rust they're like that's the true the true thing or whatever the truest thing the most real thing is the rust well, i was gonna ask like how does that get perverted to where we are now you know because you look, because mm. you want it to be like, well, so, you know, going too far with this is like wrong because there's like the quest for, maybe it is like the quest for immortality. It's like the wrong motive or something because, you know, people talk mm. about like the Amish, you know, they don't use technology, but it's like they do though, you know, they, they, they do like they have metal. Okay. Like metal. Yeah. That's well, to the rest like, thing. That's the same so, stuff. Yeah. How do you get diluted? Like, I think. You'd like chasing the gold or whatever, like you're trying to almost transmute things into like things that are more desirable to you. Like, well, I prefer the gold over the rocks. So the, like, that's what I like to use alchemy for. But the real alchemists, like Young will point out, he's like, no, they like the Philosopher's Stone people. Like these people who are like, we're meditating on this stuff. We're like, no, the rust, that's the most beautiful part because they're saying like, even the pure thing changes form. And they were like, and that... Whatever that is, like that ability for things to like change is the fundamental reality. Like that's the thing that's keeping all of this going, like all of this possible. And so that was it's almost the only more precious than the gold. The possible too. Right, Like right, without exactly. noticing the rust or without noticing the tree or like any of that, like you can't, you would never notice, you would never know to do anything about it, you know? Like you just could never like why does silver tarnish? And even weirder though is like gold. So like how did that become our money supply? And what's weird is that gold has very particular properties that you wouldn't expect the ancient people who decided to use gold as currency 
you wouldn't expect them to know about these properties. But one of the things about gold, just like a basic thing, doesn't do like silver, doesn't tarnish. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But how? But the fact that that became money and so valuable before we even had the apparently before we even had the first clue of like a thing called an atom and that like the stuff was made out of it. Like we were like, gold will be money. Like why not other, you know, like it just, that's crazy. Like it could have been rubies, but no, it's gold. <laughs> like, yeah. Like did they know that it was there like this ancient knowledge? What, like, you know what I'm saying? Like what was Da Vinci fucking doing? Like, did he find <laughs> what a book? were these people doing? Like, did he find Literally, a book? Is what I'm saying, like, did he find some like book from like ten thousand years before his time, and did the same thing that we do to him? We're like, what is he doing? Like, making fucking helicopters and shit. Like, what? How did he even? Oh my god! No one was doing this, but like, maybe he found a book where they he was you know where they're doing the same thing. They're like, by the way, like everything's magical and you could like take all the magic -y stuff and like you can like help the magic and like direct the magic of the world and we've like turned that stuff into like wizards and said that it's all imaginary and fairy tales and it's like i don't i don't know these are really old stories and that doesn't seem true like i mean it does seem true like it seems mystical but like when you think about it which this was not on a podcast but now we're going to say it what we we were on the phone when I when we talked about this like what 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 would magic be like if I if if I were gonna do like ma like not like a trick like not like a magician like a magic trick guy I'm talking like what would what would if I was like I'm magic and you were like prove it and then I had to do something and then I scooped up into a big cauldron so I'm like I'm gonna take some dirt I'm gonna take some these rocks and those rocks and get some of those oh sticks over there and I take these and I'm gonna put them all in here. And then I pulled a cell phone out of it. And I'm like, look, you can watch, you can talk to someone on the other planet, on the other side of the planet with this thingy thing. You'd be like, yep, that's fucking magic. You did it. You proved it. Magic is real. That's literally what we did. Like that's literally what it is. That's the only thing magic could be. Is that right. well, <clears throat> what it is? It's literally we took dirt and dust and rock and shit that we found around us and said, we're going to change this into a thing that does a thing. Right. And it's reminding me. It, yeah. And it's back. all about intention. Like, what are you making? Like, what is the intention of the thing you're making? Like, I'm going to take stuff that isn't stuff that is nothing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go because the same kind of thinking also just gave you like a tractor, which is a big back in the day, which is a massive piece of cast iron that did a bunch of stuff you know and then you pour this liquid into it and it lights on fire and it goes bum, 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 and goes like that's that's what yeah. it's, it's all magic well it reminds me back to the ai thing it's like that's like a form of magic like you're literally transforming brain waves like eeg but it's like magic on so many levels because you're like well well we tape these little things onto your head and then somehow that thing picks up signals and then those signals get put into the computer and then the computer has data that has waves and then the data we can take the data and transform the data back into pictures <laughs> and so you're like it's just magic on so many levels like so many levels of transformation and then it's funny because you know like back to what we were saying it's like well we'll never understand why we don't really know why and it's like well but that's the whole point it's like we don't really know how the magic works like we don't know how does the wood become the wood like in the tree like 
where does it come from? Like, literally, where, how does the picture come out of the computer? <laughs> you know, like, at what point does numbers become, like, music, you know, in my ears? Like, that yeah, is, well, I don't know that we'll ever answer that question. Well, I think that it's like we don't know what we're doing, first of all. I mean, yeah, I think no. there is, but I think no we, I think the rulers of the universe, they do know that it, they might they might know too that we don't really fully know. No one can really know everything about the cell phone. It takes like massive industry, like like guilds of different wizards that do different things. Like we have the conductors, <laughs> the chip guys, the glass guys, the touchscreen guys, the software it's guys, like all these different like like guilds of different types of wizards. And I think that they know the rulers of the world, you know, like Pindar or whoever it is, knows that no one can really actually do that independently. They don't really know. But what they figured out was that there are, it's like the fundamental is like will and intention and cooperation. And I think that's why shit gets so fucked sometimes. Because I think that there's like, a big difference between coming up with like nails, you know, out of metal and making plows and nail guns and stuff and creating like an AI super God thing. Like those are different goals, you know, mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. sometimes wizards come along, uh, like Eli Whitney or whatever, you know, and they're like, I figured out how to get seeds out of cotton. And you're like, great. Like, that's not going to kill everybody. That's not going to do anything. That's fine. I mean, it's disruptive. You made strong magic. Like, that's a t an intense spell there. But people like it, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's somehow different than other... I think that it's like... So here's a thought. The other day, we were on the internet. Kim was looking up something. I'm playing Far Cry on PS, whatever the hell the internet's called, or the game. I don't even know things. I just like playing it. And she was like looking up something for me. I'm like, I don't know how to do something. And then there's this recommended search. Not what she searched. Okay. Not, she did not search this. It was just like, Google is like a suggestion. Do you, yeah. Do you want to know this answer? And it was just one of those things you hit a, a, a drop down and gives you an article. And it, the question was, is Far Cry 6 LGBTQ? Like, is it that? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. So then we, we <laughs> like, what the fuck? So we both stop what we're doing. We're like, let's, what is this? Let's look at this. And it is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I can't, I'm not going to go oh, into any of God. it. It's just take my word for it. This person has a mental disorder. But Google <laughs> thought that it was like a top notch, definite thing. And in fact, even if, even though I didn't ask the question, it's like, you should ask the question. And when you click on it, this should be the kind of content that you get when you click on it. Like this is the top result on, is it this? And it, this is exactly what I'm meaning by like intention and stuff like that. Like think about questions. How many questions are there in the universe? The answer is infinity. All the questions ever that mankind could ever fathom. That's how many questions there are. How many questions are there about Far Cry? Probably infinity. Do you know which ones are not important? Is it LGBT? That's an incoherent question. Is it gay? Like, it's a fucking gay, <laughs> by the way. Sense. It doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah. And so, but the, so the fact that that's there says something. Like, so all I could think is, 
why is this here? Why, why is the, why do we live in a world right now where this is right here? And it's, it's like, I could type in anything. Like I could type in, is Literally the Hobbit, anything. like is the <laughs> Hobbit, and it would be like, do you want to know is the Hobbit gay? It's, or is the Hobbit queer? Like it just random. These are not, this is weird. Like this is really weird that this is happening and it means yeah. something and it's, it's got an intention to it and it's, it's like the wrong question, you know, it's irrelevant. Like we, you're asked, like, that's a question on a magic machine. Like, I don't understand how we're here right now, where we live in a world where that's the stupidity, like the mental, literally, I get where people like fall onto this and like literally call it mental illness. Like that's, that's a virus that is infected the whole world or at least our country really badly and and i and it's trying to infect me like i don't give a i don't give a single shit and by the way like let me this is just to tell you how crazy this is far cry 6 is gay there's a trans person in the game that says they're trans multiple times there's also a gay guy like and so i'm thinking oh my God, this person's conclusion by the way was it's not gay enough and i'm like it's not oh. queer. it's not queer enough Literally, like I'm thinking, as I'm running around in a war-torn country with a gun, saving the world from fascists who are causing cancer and poisoning people. How many people in the game should be trained? Like, how many people should be discussing where and what kind of genitals oh, they like to have and where to put? <clears throat> how many? More than one? Like three or four? Maybe? Like, there's only like a couple characters. How much queer does there need to be? Like, it is queer as shit, okay? The fact that it's there at all is, like, they tried really hard to be inclusive or not get or whatever the fuck they put that in there for. I don't know. It's a virus. And we live in a, a crazy world, and this is, like, what's happening. And I think there's something that's a will and intention thing, and that's magic, too. That's, like, a mental magic, you know, like, where you can do all this, like, crazy magical stuff we do with like cell phones and computers and all this high tech technology you can you can do similar kinds of magic on people and they're doing it now like they'll me they're messing with your mind like that's there yeah not because well, it's interesting, not because it's valuable not because it's good but because i don't have a fucking clue because we're sick we're really really sick well i was thinking yeah the well what's it you said what's a good question you know like maybe some questions are better than others and i was thinking well like yeah should how do we alleviate suffering i think back to that question and i was like well i think some people it is kind of like it is a weird question because i think some people would say well my aim is to alleviate the most suffering and then you can see like how you might become like the worst tyrant the world has ever seen like in pursuit of that question like you would become like think, the utilitarian it's, tyrant it's a but it's a god complex because i think there's like what we've discovered yes, in magic exactly. it's, it's that thing i was that stupid story about the guy that goes to heaven and says i can do what god does i've done a lot of things and then god goes no you don't understand you have like the tree is magic but you have to make the magic that makes the tree do you get it like you have to make the elements you have to make the system that that all works in and so I think we're going beyond that because I don't have central AC. Mm -hmm. We have a window unit. It, the, when, like, 
AC is AC. Like it, it, we've discovered the secret principles of cooling hot air. I, it, you know what I mean? Like hot air goes in the hole, super <laughs> hot air goes out the back outside and freezing cold air comes out of the vent. That's like old technology. That's it. Like that's air conditioning. That's the principle. You've discovered it. Like you too bad if you if there were a way to conquer the world with it like someone would be going too far you know what i mean and so i think we we've discovered like these well discoverable things and then we just go bananas on in certain realms like the technology i think some it's like so powerful but like yeah how much like the ac is it doesn't need to be my AC doesn't need to do anything else. It gets cold. Like it's cold. Sometimes it's too cold. I turn it off. Like it's, it's done. We did it. Ta-da. Well, the thing I was thinking is, yeah, it's almost like it is a little bit of a gun complex. I was thinking it's like self-serving because I think if you, the proper way is not like a selfish version of that question. Like how can I alleviate as much of the world's suffering or whatever? Because even like, and that's kind of the interesting part about the Jesus story is Jesus doesn't go out and solve everyone's problems. He does something. He actually goes out and suffers for everyone. And that's like a weird, like, what? Like, it is kind of like a baffling. You're like, so you're here to alleviate the world's suffering. And you're going to do that by suffering maximally. what is the whole story is like he took on the sins of the world and i think that is really interesting especially in context of our conversation because like what are the sins you know it's like it's he's not like he was saying i'm taking on your headache i'm taking on your your black lung i'm taking on your you know poverty Right. In fact, he says very different things about those. He says things like, the poor will always be with you. Like, don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's other Next things. Question. To do. Like, right now, we're doing something else. The poor will always be here to deal with that in a minute. You know, I'm doing something. So, what was this? Like, what is the sin? Like, maybe, maybe the sin drives us to, to, yeah, those worse, bad intentions and worse whatever, things. Maybe. Yeah. So, like, yeah. And it's like a, maybe a kind of evidence or something or a sign or a, a communication. Well, I think you have to like sacrifice for good. Like I think um, there's something about that. Like we were talking about this with the podcast. Like I, you know, you know, we don't make any money from this or anything. And we laugh at like, oh, the shills of like, you know, other podcasts and they're talking for money and blah, 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 and all the problems that that brings. And I think there's something about it that becomes a little fake disingenuine but it's because you don't have to sacrifice anything for it. it's not costing you anything like and i there is something about that like that's very deep like if it doesn't cost you anything then what is it like it's kind of there's something wrong about it like and that's a weird stance to take but i think like if you really do want to help someone that's like the right way to alleviate suffering if you were like you know my family is in poverty or something you may go have to work in that coal mine, you know, like we said, you know, and that would be suffering, like that would be hard, but that's a sacrifice. And that's, you know, that's what makes it righteous almost. You're like, because I'm, I'm taking this on to make something better, you know, for you. And that's like, I think one of the, the, the highest callings. And I think, 
yeah, when you don't have to sacrifice anything, when you don't suffer for anything, um, yeah, something's wrong. Something, something's off, maybe. Um, and maybe that's, yeah, the story. I don't know. I think. Uh, or you'll yeah. let your sin or all that negative, whatever that stuff is, you'll let, it will consume you. Like it will, it will kill you. It will defeat you. It will defeat humanity ultimately. And so, I'm, is it Paul? Somebody says you have to take up your cross daily. Like, right, right. You know, every day, like you have to be constantly doing that. And I think that's true. And even on in simple terms, like sometimes I, all I want is to be in a different place. Like I want to farm out away from all of this in a nicer house that does have central air conditioning, you know, or just something different. And it's like all that yearning ruins what I have and what I have isn't ruined until I ruin it by hating it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. And so by taking up that, by sacrificing that, by casting all that sin off, you know, whatever, well, casting all that, whatever that you want to call that off, you get freed in a lot of ways. And I don't think that it that destroys you. You know, I don't, think that you wither away and die if you don't strive and be full of all of these like seven deadly sins, you know, gluttony, greed, all this, you know, you don't, you actually don't need all of that even to be successful. I don't think, I think some yeah. people are successful well, without that. Yeah. The other last thing I'll say, and then I have to go, is like, there's another interesting thought there that just came to me about, uh, yeah, the alchemy and sacrifice, you know, because you have to like, like I was just saying like, well, it's right to sacrifice. It's good to sacrifice. And that's what the Jesus story is about. It's like making, and that's even what the Old Testament is about. It's like making the right sacrifices that please God. And and then Jesus is like the perfect sacrifice, the fulfillment of something. And, but there's something there about like, kind of like an alchemical concept, like sacrifice, like something in exchange for something, something made out of something else. All magic spells require a sacrifice you know it's usually like oh it's like a symbology of like it requires blood you know it requires the death mm. you know you see that like played out over and over again and like I would, we'd watch uh the last kingdom and it's just like save my or was it uh I've, I've seen it in multiple things i think it was also maybe in uh game of thrones where they have to save the baby you know the baby's and then you know okay well i can do the magic to do that but then what does the magic spell do well saves the baby but kills somebody else you know what i mean like it mm. you you don't get nothing comes at no, no free cost. lunch yeah exactly right. that, so there's always you're always Even an economist will tell you that the modern day alchemists the, the financial alchemists <laughs> literally they make money out yeah. of nothing and it works you know systems they have all these like how does that mm. work like it works because like it's magical. Like it's like we, well, how do you create tapping money? into the magic of the everything? universe. <laughs> Literally, you're like, okay, well, we have to follow these fundamentals, these fundamental laws. And when they stop doing that, everything falls apart and we have like huge problems and crises and people abuse that stuff. But like there is a system that doesn't, that works, but it doesn't, it's not always fantastical for just one guy. You know what I mean? Like it, it when you see those kinds of things happening, everything gets ruined. But when it functions optimally, it's 
it does well and yet still the poor are always with you you know like there's always it's it's mm. it has to follow like i was saying you yeah. can, could you control yeah. the universe with air conditioning like i don't know like maybe you know what i mean it's like but don't do that it's just there's something to what's well, this place you don't transcend your limitations almost it's like that's the kind it's like it is alchemy but it's also not like i think there's like that fantastical like like we'll cast the spell that like transcends death and makes us invisible and you know like, yeah, like yes. well not it's not that fantastical okay like yeah or, or if it is but you have to kill like all the people you have to be like bill gates and be like well we need like most of these people to be not here anymore oh for my, my beautiful system to come into play it's like well I think that you've gotten a little carried away. <laughs> yeah. That's black magic, and uh, it's no good. <laughs> it's no good. That's for sure. That's for sure. Anyway. Well, anyway. I will say this. I didn't want to bring it up because I knew it would ruin your mood, but we have to make sure my raw audio uploads because my thing is flashing at me. 